everyone welcome to the latest episode of the SaaS session podcast i'm deepika vani from whatpix i'm going to be the host for today's episode uh to quickly introduce myself i handle field activities at whatpix but due to the pandemic like i've moved completely virtual as well and prior to this i was working at freshworks leading the indian apac offline initiatives for the enterprise market great so we have an amazing guest today anish tambi the head of field marketing at automation anywhere for those who do not know what automation anywhere does automation anywhere is a global enterprise rpa solution and platform that brings robotic process automation to industry worldwide automation anywhere has also raised a whopping 840 million from investors like salesforce ventures goldman sachs softbank great general atlantic and more anish uh, welcome to the podcast it's a pleasure to have you on our show today thank you deepika pleasure pleasure to be part of the podcast Okay, so today we're going to be speaking about uh, field marketing on our podcast. But before that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and automation anywhere? Absolutely. So, uh, thanks for the great introduction. Uh, I am Anish Thambi. I manage field marketing for automation anywhere in India. Um, I've been in the role for the past thirteen odd years. I've been uh, part of services organizations. I've been fortunate enough to be. part of uh, saas companies in my previous uh, two organizations and uh, has been a great uh, journey so far uh, in my current role at automation anywhere uh, i manage field uh, marketing for uh, automation anywhere in india particularly field in the new normal i would say it's it's it is a misnormal so as to say uh, we we uh, when when people ask me now what what does field mean i was like okay at at a probably 3 months back it made sense now I, i'll have to think about what i call myself uh, but what it what i do at automation anywhere is we we are hyper growth startup we are in the with uh, the we are in the robotic process automation space we call it the fourth industrial revolution which is going to revolutionize the way we uh, work is going to happen the future of work like what computers did to us in the late 80s Uh, the future generations would have uh, robot robots that that would help them do their jobs mundane jobs so as to say and and the evolution of what we do is going to change drastically so great uh, to be part of this journey and uh, yeah uh, exciting space uh, for us to uh, take this thought to our customers talk about what uh, automation can do for them and what the future of work lies super interesting anish to know about what automation anywhere does and this the space that you are in right so it's interesting to know that you've been in this uh, field marketing industry for over 10 years now and can you just elaborate a little bit more on the journey and where did it actually start yes so so for me i i, I graduated from symbiosis pune in the year 2007 i joined hcl technologies as a management trainee uh, that was probably the the place where you i was christine of sorts right it, it was it was hcl is a it has been the quintessential startup of the computer hardware industry which started in the late 70s and it it had an amazing culture wherein to be to be a management trainee is like you you get to get your put your hands into everything and i started in the vlsi division which is which is the chip design engineering part of the business that was there at hcl technologies and i used to manage pre sales for them and and it was a very broad definition of 
pre-sales, wherein, wherein you do everything that is required to, to make the sale happen. And, 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 and out of college, it was, I had a lot of energy. Still, you, you'd want to do anything and everything that comes your way. And HCL gave, us, gave me a great platform to do everything that I wanted to do. Uh, to to starting from whether it needs to be client presentations, do you do marketing campaigns? You 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 work with the delivery teams and sorts. So those three and a half years were where I would say the foundations of what I thought I would like to do in the future. Uh, as you come out of college, and I think this is maybe so more. And when I got out of college, we were at least a little not so sure about what you want to do. Uh, it was uh, it was a time when the recession had just kicked in. There were, there was there is a lot of uh, industries that were falling apart. Uh, not so much in India, but uh, across the world. And, and given the sector we were in, we could see a lot of issues in terms of growth and what the future lies for different industries. And uh, and to me, because I got access to how businesses run, and I had I was like a single person kind of supporting my business unit uh, to make those sales happen across the entire value chain. I, I got a glimpse of what, what it takes to run a business of sorts from, from an eye of a management trainee. So as to say. Then, uh, then three and a half odd years, I moved to a company called Akamai Technologies. I was actually amazed when I went to just, just go for the interview rounds and, 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 and the whole technology space and what it was like what it was doing to the internet and what it had the potential to do to the internet kind of just, just took me away. And I got a role to, to do this. That was my introduction to marketing. I would say wherein from a pre-sales role where you tend to did everything to move to a very defined space where you had a proposition for a particular segment and take it to that, take it to the market. I, I worked in the, UK region, I worked in Nordics, I also worked in APAC. So uh, it gave me a lot of exposure in terms of how to address different markets, understand nuances of different countries, regions, verticals, kind of developed my aptitude or my appreciation towards how this buying journey happens across different region, countries and organizations. And that is where I got my first chance to work in, in the core marketing domain, I would say. I started working in the customer marketing field at Akamai, wherein it was it was it was great to know how to upsell, cross-sell across different segments. But then I got an opportunity to to head field field marketing in Australia, mm-hmm. so I, I I went went there. It was again a new experience, new region, new everything, and um, like my boss betted on me to take that up, and I I went there and kind of said set the field team there, where we had a business, running business there in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, it was a great experience. I came back and then I, I got an opportunity to head uh, field in India. Then, yeah, that, that was again an experience. Uh, every region, country works very differently. Uh, and I think the, the reason field marketing was important because the nuances of the region, the nuances of a particular vertical, the buying journey of each region, country, vertical is so different that you need somebody to help manage it. I definitely agree. So that, that was my journey. And then I, I joined Pluralsight as the head of field marketing there. Pluralsight was an online learning company. Again, totally different. It was, it was more consumerish in nature. It gave me a lot of perspective of how 
consumers behave the b2b journey versus the b2c journey i i, I kind of got a great uh, great sense of that and then here at automation again a very high growth uh, company we uh, like for me double digit growth uh, was awesome at a point in time and then and i joined automation anywhere and anything less than three digits is like they you'll frown upon so like you're thinking too small and yeah that was a big change for me it is it has been learning i've learned in different phases i would say i put myself into difficult situations wherein every time i put myself into those situations i felt what did i do to myself and i grew out of it and then i felt oh this is doable and i look for the next one uh, so that's that's been my journey so far that's great considering you've had like uh, tons of experience in akamai and then you've moved to plural site and from there to automation anywhere like a good gradual change and especially in a hyper growth startup right yeah. so considering this field marketing activities what changed for you after covid like with automation anywhere considering i know automation anywhere does tons of field events across yeah so i'll give some perspective as to what field is supposed to do and why in some companies the quantum of activities Uh, is higher versus maybe lesser and depending on 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 a few parameters okay so there are two aspects which will define how you go to market one is the size of the market the second thing is your business model to address that market now every company that i have worked with had had a different composition of these two parameters so if you look at the size of the market and i'll i'll talk from a lens of automation anywhere right now Mm-hmm. the size of the market is just anyone everybody out there like the the scope of automation technology is being involved to a 100 member company to to a, like a 10 lakh member company is equal and for us that is potential that's the potential of the market so <clears throat> anybody and everybody out there can use automation technologies to help improve the quality of the work product that they're bringing to their market so help improve productivity help increase efficiencies reduce errors uh, reduce reduce the uh, compliance issues associated with it increase cash flows those are ca- common parameters that can be absorbed by anybody in the market so that's that's huge market potential second is the business model involved to help address that now if you if you we we i mean from a automation anywhere standpoint we are a cloud based solution we 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 are available for customers to to buy things on the on the web they can buy one licenses 20 licenses 22000 licenses whichever way they would want to so the business model is tweaked tuned towards anybody and everybody out there so when you look at what i am going to do so the responsibility when when i took up this role i the first thing i asked during my interview process was which are the addressable market and as much as i thought about the addressable market for uh, for automation anywhere my view was limited to where i came from and uh, during my interview process i realized that okay any vertical that you can possibly think about is your possible customer there is a possible customer out there for your technology and you have a business model to help support that so all of a sudden you you just expand your like view of the world in terms of your target addressable market from a myopic view to a really really broad view and that kind of implies in the number of activities that you do to help address that market because in a competitive new hyper growth 
uh, startup wherein you are trying to define the market, right? As as a market leader, we define what the robotic process automation or the intelligent automation market is going to be for the rest of the uh, time. So we we take that lead to say that okay, anybody, any vertical, there is a use case. We define that use case. We bring it to the market. We my to make sure that anybody and everybody out there knows about automation anywhere and understand that how this technology can help make their jobs or their processes or their companies a lot better efficient and productive so that is where the scope of work is now pre covid that was a scenario right you you have this like the the burst of energy to just go and just make sure that anybody out there is aware of this what covid did this was it has kind of helped our radar go down from a 360 degree angle to say a 65 or 90 degree angle right wherein what we've done is we've, we've identified customers or we kind of identified our ideal customer profile looked at all our 4000 customers looked at customers who are best suited to use automation technology and have the best benefits and then kind of rework our scope of outreach using that lens so that is primarily what covid has done and i think we had this discussion earlier as well i feel what covid has done is we we used to go after customers and prospects in different verticals because they were available to us in these field events or they they used to come to these events activities to get knowledge to understand what is there in the market to understand what kind of progress has been made now because of the lockdown and everybody being at home the same audience is looking for the same kind of inputs the only thing is the mode of delivery has changed be uh, like at least the marketing organization the way it was structured is like you have digital trying to do a bunch of things and you have this customer buying journey or customer information gathering journey which is mapped through your digital your physical your your sales touch points your after sales delivery right you have this whole customer journey mapped out now what covid has done is a significant portion of your physical journey which is already part of your customer journey it's just become virtual and for me i think what we've done is just address the same point that we were addressing in a physical event or our, our round tables or our physical touch points into a digital mode and and frankly from from what we do it nothing much has changed how we are doing it has drastically changed so that is that is my view on what covid has done to us <laughs> so digital world has completely changed our field marketing journey so the mode of communication or the mode of knowledge sharing is completely changed that's your stance on this i would say yes see we all consume that now i i'll give an example of our day to day life right like for example when i used to go to work uh, i i had like an hour hour and a half long commute now the mode in which i would get to know about what is happening in bangalore like i'm staying in bangalore is is through the radio right you have, you have your favorite channels you normally more often than not browse through radio channels and see what's happening now that is totally out of the window right i i don't remember the last time i i heard the radio now that mode of communication and and i'm just trying to see if somebody was using radio as a mode of communication to convey to a tg like say 
like most of the people who are driving to work, what they would want to know, that has totally vanished. Now, does the need for me to have that information has changed? The answer is no. I still want to know what's happening around. The way I consume that information has drastically changed. So I think if you just extrapolate that into our world, uh, the customers or the prospects need to know how technology is evolving, what is the different use cases, how can it help their businesses, how can they make better, efficient, productive, has not changed. The way they consume that information has changed. So uh, I, 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 I'm not very, I'm not a big fan of the word digital per se because it kind of, kind of brings a barrier. I, I feel wherever you're consuming your content from, it is, if it is digital, it is digital. If it is physical, it is physical. physical. Yeah. Perfect. So that's, that's my view. Yeah. Great. I mean, interesting to hear uh, uh, different perspectives, uh, right? So during this particular paradigm shift that happened due to the pandemic, and what are the different activities that you drove as in automation anyway to create this particular demand or brand in Q2? This specific time when actually the lockdown started. I'll try. I'll give some. Uh, perspective to that, to this. Our uh, we we have a financial year which starts February, and we this is the first year we're doing it. So, uh, so it's in the month of February we are all gungo. Okay, we had a great year. How are we going to go in triple digits? What is the plan? And 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 all of it, right? It's the month of February. We're like very very enthusiastic. We had like big plans on what we're going to do. These are the sectors we're going to go after. This is. Uh, this is our plan, right? This is the strategy for us to hit the goals that we have set for ourselves. Two months down the line, and I would not even say two months down the line, like February is when we started. By the time it was March and we were still in the process of just ramping up everything that we're doing is when this thing happened. And, and as much as we know or that this will affect the way things are and, and we had planned up out a bunch of uh, activities uh, around it, we kind of realized that we need to put a stop pause buzzer button on this. Mm-hmm. So when we hit pause, frankly, we all thought we're just going to just defer this for two months and just start all over again. That was the thought process. We, we initially, we never thought this is going to last longer. Uh, I personally, for I and I think most many of us thought that, okay, if we are able to control this uh, in India, uh, we, have, we have had different viruses that hit us, but it never kind of went out of hand. So I thought maybe like a 40-day lockdown or a two-month lockdown and everything will go back and we will go back to work and things will start. Uh, it is just going to be a two-month delay into everything that we had planned. What we did realize and we realized it through this thing is like this is going to get extended over a period of time and we need to plan, uh, we need to have a plan B. So the plan B was we thought and we, we had a brainstorming session internally to, real, to assess exactly the same thing that I told you before. What is our audiences doing? Where are they getting their information from? What is their preferred mode to get an information? How would they like to go through their automation journey? What is it that they would like to hear? What are the different things that will help them move into their automation journey? in terms of evaluating the product, in terms of doing a trial with our product, doing a proof of concept, and eventually see how how it can benefit the entire organization. And can it be done virtually? And what it led to is we created at least three three platforms, which were not there before. I would not say that it were not there before. It were not there in the way it is currently 
there like there we created a platform which is called as a bot vision uh, series which is which is kind of a customer knowledge sharing platform wherein customers come and show showcase their stories tell about how automation has been helping them during this period how they've been able to implement it what are the do's what are the don'ts what they should do how they should do what are the things they should consider across different industries which were like a huge hit we never thought before doing this that like as much as in our, in our even our events right what are we trying to showcase we're trying to showcase this is our proposition this is how we are trying to help you solve some of these problems and this is one of our customers who had done this with us Absolutely. right normally normally that's kind of a platform we just tilted the same thing about uh, like the other way around what we brought in was make our customers the centerpiece of our discussions with our prospects help them understand their journey help them understand how they evaluated the product why did they evaluate the product what did they gain out of it what were the mistakes that they did and if they were to do it all over again how they would do it as much as it sounds so simplistic and like like what's a big deal about it it was something that the customers were really really looking forward to mm-hmm. and we we had some of the largest webinars attendance in even in these times in in these platforms wherein where we were able to address the customer need we, like we had webinars where people had 80 questions like 100 questions we couldn't handle that in an hour hour and a half given that people were dealing with the pandemic as they go and they thought automation was a great way to help solve some of their problems uh, we 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 had some unique use cases which we bring brought it to the market uh, customers as to how there are a lot of companies which are where it is necessary for them to go to the office with the pandemic nobody could go to the office so we had this virtual digital workers who could log in say anish into their internal portals without even anish going to the office mm-hmm. managing all of that now the bpo industry was severely impacted there are a lot of banking financial insurance companies which were severely impacted with this and we were able to make that happen for our customers who already had that implemented to have business as usual despite everything else being disrupted now that is a great story which we brought the second thing which we figured out was customers want to know how this can be done remotely we can't be in front of a customer like implementing a solution requires a lot of people to be involved to make make a solution they wanted to know how we could do it remotely we created a property wherein all we do is talk about implementation best practices for our customers so it's a no nonsense to the point this is your problem statement this is how you split your problem this is what you need to do a b c d e and this is how some of our customers have been able to solve it now if you ask me if i am somebody who's trying to evaluate a solution to help solve that problem i would be very very keen to understand that and in in a in a, in a in a form in a size which is consumable and i think that was the big learning we pivoted very very quickly into it we tried a few things uh, across different segments across different segments across the different buyer personas that we focus on and it was a huge hit frankly customer stories customer talking through how they are uh, dealing with the pandemic using automation solutions and it created buzz on its own and uh, so much so that we 
we did 2x of 2x of the numbers that we were supposed to do this quarter in the original plan which was shockingly surprising for everybody including me so that's that's i mean that that's that's our story i would say the pandemic kind of push digital transformation into the agenda a lot of jokes going around a bit uh, on it but i think what it brought to the fore is automation is one of the things that they really everybody really need to do in case this happens again and if they need to continue doing business in this scenario and we just i would say it's a stroke of luck we we kind of use that to our advantage uh, giving real problem solving stories which the there there had we had a great audience for well yes it's fantastic to hear that you've made 2x your numbers especially during this pandemic as well like there's so much of drastic disruption that's happened in this marketing field we've all started to wonder what's actually next for field marketing so this uh, is why i'm asking this particular question is i want to understand is your q3 and your q4 is going to be demand focused or brand focused because as a company we need to be empathetic towards our audience and we are also tr- trying to target right and we also build want to build that sort of a relationship with them on a long term absolutely i so i look at i have a couple of points on this how it's going to look for the next 6 months and the way to think about it is get yourself in your customers and your buyers shoe and see if you were them how would you evaluate your own company your product solution how valuable it is for it and i think as marketers that is the first thing we should do uh, we we kind of assume all like we have a lot of tools at our disposal right like we can do 20 things to help solve a problem but the more important thing is for us to understand that in the current scenario the diff- most difficult thing to get from anybody is their attention and that attention is so fragile that like just think about it even in our current workspace right we our phones are buzzing like so like half the time we we getting notifications from everywhere we getting emails we 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 have our family members around us who need our attention there is so much going on around that if you're trying to convey a message the attention span of that particular individual to what the message is going to be is is just that tiny bit now if you want to grab that attention and to me i will i will circle everything around the retention you need to make it as compelling as possible you should you have to make them feel that if they don't give that 10 minute or that 15 minute of their time they're going to miss out on something now i was just trying to research around what are the different trends around attention how do you keep attention right the the trick or some of the tips is there in our ott platform like why is it that we are, we find it so engaging why is it that uh, we keep flipping from one uh, like one topic to another topic or one movie to another movie we need to learn a lot more about how audiences are behaving uh, my current boss calls it infotainment right marketing is infotainment we have to look at information that can be entertaining if you can mix that both with your brand values and be empathetic and and i am in no way saying that we have to push something anything down anybody's throat uh, because nobody is going to take it right now what we have to do is we have to be very clear what is it that you mean as a brand to the customer in this scenario to help solve a very very relevant problem which the customer is facing right now and you need to be authentic enough to tell them 
that this is how I'm going to solve this problem. We have solved this problem for so-and-so customers. And we would really, really want you to talk to us to, as to how we can help you solve that problem of yours, which is paining, painful. And if you can convey that to the customer, you will get their attention. You have them with you. You, you have to convey it in a way and form which, is, which they want to consume. So for example, if you are able to create high quality video content, high quality, I would say graphics, high quality, something that you're used to viewing in your OTT platform, be it a, be it a Netflix or a Hotstar or, or, or any of the other Amazon Prime, whichever ones that you like. And, and if you can take your cues from there and see that, okay, how can I get 20 minutes of attention from my customer prospect? The answer for your brand is right up there. For me, what I figured out is very high production quality, very high content quality, be authentic, be to the point, don't beat around the bush and give the customer what they would get out of that 20 minutes that they are giving it to you. Because that 20 minutes that they are giving it to you, they are filled with 20 or 200 other options which they can do, like they're, they're getting distracted with. And you need to make it worth their time. And I think if you can answer that question as a marketer and you know that, okay, this 20 minutes is worth your time and I know you're going to get something out of it and this is, this is something that you'll value, you are going to get your audience. That's point number one. Point number two, in terms of how it would change for us in terms of the coming six months, a year, we are going to become, and, and I would say it, it is a function of adaptability. Marketers will have to adapt to the new way how prospects are consuming your content. Like there is no differentiation. Now. Everything that we consume is on the same screen, right? Like we, we see our emails on the same screen. We see our Insta feeds on the same screen. We see our podcast on, on the same screen. And we're so used to a particular user experience. You need to have the best quality content you can ever produce out there with the limitations that you have. I mean, obviously the pandemic is limitation, has its limitation with uh, production as well. So the next six months, we are all, I would not say we are all, but most of us will try to get into that tangent wherein we will become infotainers, wherein we will have our brand values mixed into it, depending on the brand, how easy you are, how tight you are, uh, what is your brand messaging and bring that in, in different forms. Like people are consuming content on the web. They are consuming video. They are looking at online news channels. They, they, they are looking at, obviously everybody's on the news. They're looking at trusted source of information. Now you need to be the trusted source. And how do you earn the trust of your prospect of your customer is by giving high quality content, authentic content, which I would say, you would want to watch if you were on the other side. And I think that's the litmus test that, that we all need to go through over the next uh, three to six months. Uh, the thing with field was we could get un, unabridged attention of the audience. Right? I would not say unabridged, people still had their phones and they were tricky, but you still had their physical presence. Now, you don't know what the customer is going through. And what I have realized is our consumption patterns is no longer live. I don't think people appreciate the fact that if you give them access to a good piece of content only live, they will appreciate if it is live because there is Q&A. But you have to give them that option that 
like we are all used to watching things when we want to right like we, we watch our matches or uh, not called for the match and we been no matches anymore you watch your sitcoms or your movies when you have to right you like the pause button you are doing something you will go back to it you need to give that kind of user experience to a b2b buyer you will have your audience you need to keep it short to the point give them value and if you can hit check those boxes we are good to it and how do you deliver that experience is up to us like i would say we have experimented with a lot of media houses currently which which we feel have a lot of credibility in terms of bringing the right message to the market i think by next march is when we can probably say that oh i did these 10 things four of them worked really well three of them were uh, waste of time and we should never do these two <laughs> because i know because, i know i know but when you mentioned about this infotainment you mentioned that as a marketer we all need to be infotainers right yeah knowing about all of these different uh, new models that you gave us how sustainable will this model be like will everyone be able to adapt to this because change is really hard and now that we have to start getting used to it probably for the next 6 months say 8 months how do you think this will pan out so change so we it's it's the only constant right? it's it's a cliche it's the only constant it is difficult if you if you try to resist it uh, but it is very easy if you if you think that's the way it needs to be done as in like what did i change my presentation changed into a video like i mean my 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 mode of communication has changed nothing much has changed frankly but again from a skill standpoint i feel most field marketers will have to develop video skills when i say the i mean whether they use external agencies their own thing production quality i i i would like to use the term production quality because the closer you are to the best of production quality possible the better engagement you will have with your audience and i think as marketers as much as we were so particular about okay this is the experience that i'm going to create on site when the customer comes they get a personalized package for themselves they get in they know we have face recognition ids we have seating managed for them we had a particular menu managed for them we had we created that experience for them on site right we we're so used to doing that because we had the stage we had the lights we had the performance we had we had presentations we had uh, all the things at our disposal wherein you could play around with the senses of your audience we need to think about how this can work in a digital environment and as much as it is difficult to do it's a new skill set to have it is if you think about it in the same way that you did in the physical way it is not that difficult but the only thing you need to think about it is if i had to do the same experience in a virtual environment how would i do it and then you will have this plethora of things that will come in front of you and then you pick and choose the ones that suits you and your brand best and then you just take that leap of faith and learning happens there i, I don't think you need to take a course nobody gave me a course on how to manage things digitally i mean it's it's it you just you just know a few things you apply it in a different form and and if you do a few things right magic happens i, I think it's it's just the thing is this there is a very interesting metric and i would like to share this there is a cost to pipeline and if you look at typical saas companies the cost of customer acquisition is the highest the co- more often than not 
the cost of customer acquisition in in a saas company is one year's revenue for that customer so you ideally make making money if as a company you make money from a customer only if you keep them more more than a year which is which is astounding i mean like if you think about it like the amount of money is that are being invested to get a customer is 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 so high that you can you you can probably just think about that if you're not acquiring enough customers you you're putting a lot of money is down the drain so being cognizant of that if you look at our field investments the field is the most expensive investment you can make from a marketing standpoint because the cost of pipe the cost of lead the cost of everything involved is just too high because it is physical in nature you have so many elements involved to make that thing work if you look at the same mnemonics and try to build a digital infrastructure around it you can really do magic it's unbelievable what you can do with it because all of a sudden you realize that you have like 10 hands with you and that is what i have realized frankly uh, because we 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 never paid that much attention to what can be done digitally because we are so engrossed into the logistics of everything that we are doing the cost of lead drastically goes down you create an exponential experience for your customers and then the results are just just too different i would say uh, like i said we we did 2x of what we had planned for Wow. Okay. Uh, the main reason I ask this question is I've done field marketing right from the beginning, and for me to pivot this initially it was a little hard, but I knew that was the new normal, right? And then we started picking up all these virtual roundtables, coffee sessions, and so on. So great. I mean, it was super informative. But right now we're gonna like stop asking you questions about marketing. Like mm-hmm. we'll now move on to a lightning round. I'll quickly ask you three questions, and you can answer them. Okay. Great. All right. So, what do you know about your work now that you wished you knew when you started it first? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this. Everybody thinks, and most people think, marketing is like these guys are just having a gala time. <laughs> they, 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 it's a fun job. It is a fun job. People underestimate, and I, even I underestimated the amount of hard work it takes to pull something off. the number of elements involved to make something happen and the probability of any of them failing at any given point in time is so high it i didn't i really never estimated the stress levels that are involved in this job ever i really never thought it would be that stressful because there is this interesting uh, image that i had seen some time back it talks about the front end design of anything and the back end design of the same thing If you see that the front end it looks like all nice and glossy, the back end there are some two hundred people trying to keep that the uh, the flyer up. Mm-hmm. So I think that is something that I realize now how complicated it is, uh, but it is very rewarding. I I I realize this thing as well. It is very very fulfilling, very rewarding, given the amount of hard work planning that you do, and when you see your product and it works, that is very very fulfilling for me. Great. So what did your uh, biggest professional failure teach you? so for me failures have always been the greatest learning experience every time i i i felt every time i broken down in terms of what i thought would be possible and this is going to change the world and it has always taught me resi- be be to become more resilient 
and i have always thought that failure is a part of the journey as much as during the earlier part of my career i thought failures were like okay you can't be a failure we are all culturally we are not we are very averse to failure failure is a bad word but as i've seen over a period of time if you don't fail you don't learn and for me every failure has brought its own sense of learning it has made me more mature it has made me handle failure a lot better and what failure teaches you is that it can be done better like it it is just that you didn't think about about a few things and that is what caused the failure and you just you just you just accumulate these learnings over a period of time and make less and less mistakes and that that has that is what i've learned frankly i i, I don't have any negative thoughts with failure <laughs> i think uh, the biggest point is uh, it's definitely a learning right like no matter there's a learning if you don't fail you don't learn i i would say that uh, it's it's there it can be small failures i mean failure is defined by ourselves i don't think anybody else decides yes. what failure is we we set these goals for ourselves and if we don't meet them we feel we have failed that's why i i like i personally feel you have to have this big uh, like audacious goals so that even if you fail you still do better than what you would have done otherwise so i, I think I, i i kind of tackle it that way uh, but again great, great. Uh, now we'll move on to the last question anish uh, so what's the one thing that has helped you shorten your crafts learning curve practice there is no other way you can you can become better you uh, i always feel uh, like i, I like the music is 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 kind of a most difficult thing that that at least i mean i'm trying to experiment with it what it teaches you is you are only as good as your practice talent can only take you so far and more often than not uh, talent is overrated to a sort there the talent plus hard work is a deadly combination but it is all about how much effort that you put in people say that Uh, somebody is able to solve a problem in 2 minutes because they have spent uh, spent like 10 years trying to solve or failed 2000 times trying to solve the same problem that's the reason when they solve it in 2 minutes everybody think they are a genius i think for me the the way to learn a craft is is by sheer practice be perseverant be clear why you are doing it and and define an end goal and just just keep at it till till you overcome it because it is very satisfying personally when you are able to do something which you initially thought wasn't possible and the pro- the process kind of teaches you a lot more about yourself uh, and the craft in the in in, in like in in the process so that's that, that's been uh, my my views on that yes so practice is the key no matter what you, you, you lose touch i i always tell some of my teams right like i'm a very hands on person like i i i do something like if you if you're doing events and doing when you get on to a console you have this kind of nervousness right like it's like when you go on stage you have this kind of uh, this adrenaline rush that gets into you and the way to handle that is just keep doing it again and again <laughs> that is how you calm your nerves and and i think this is this is this is the nature of our business you always need to be on top of your game or you always have to respect the time of your customers and prospects and to do that practice is the only way you have to be on top of your game you have to be spot on uh, as much as you possibly can 
Great, Anish. I think that's the end of your lightning questions as well. Thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed the entire conversation and it has been super insightful. I'm sure I have a lot of learning from this discussion as well. Thank you so much for taking the time for our podcast, Anish. Thank you, Deepika. It was a pleasure.